Let's talk about the music media network broadcast loud and proud on Live 365 with visuals provided by StreamYard. Here's the disclaimer, because we have to. LTATM Media Network promotes independent music worldwide. Independent music includes, but is not limited to, unsigned artists, artists represented by independent labels, independent artists with distribution deals, artists working independent of professional production facilities, and artists with unique voices and visions. Reboot sequence activate. Rebooting theme song by Spider in the Hall. Rebooting host, Pixie Shells in 10, 9, 8, 7. Rebooting. Let's talk about the music. Is now complete. 3, 2, 1. Let's talk about down music, baby. And hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, depending on where you are watching or listening to the reboot of Let's Talk About the Music. What I'm talking about, what, James? I'm just going for it. James, you had something to say. You had something to say, and then you didn't say it. You threw me off there, man. (laughs) I was mouthing your Let's Talk About the Music. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm engaging oh. with our audience. Hi, audience. <laughs> yeah, you haven't I mean, been here like, like three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling engaged by yeah. you right now, James. I, I know that that's true. You're somebody, brain, James. All right. So either watching us or listening to us, what's that mean? Is that if you're watching us, you are on, on our social media, on Twitter and YouTube. And we have all this stuff linked to our YouTube channel. So that way you can actually watch it as we go. If you're listening to us, we're on Tuesday, I'm sorry, Saturdays at 2 p.m. at KGRGFM. And we also are rebroadcasting the show on LTAT Media Network on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you guys download Live 365 and search uh, LTAT Media Network, you will find the radio station. Okay? All right. So again, KGRG um, at 2 p.m. Okay. All right. Let's go around the way, rolling around and introduce the introductions. James, you have not been here for three weeks, so we inform people who you are. Agreed. <laughs> yes, uh, I was. I am James. I'm a bass player for a band. I bring some uh, musical uh, experience and uh, being able to talk about the independent side of music, uh, the music industry. That is how I can am able to contribute to LTATM. Uh, I was in Nashville for a couple of weeks. Uh, last week, I was stuck up in a ceiling for my job and was not able to uh, be in. So I am thankful to be here today. Yay, you're here. All right. The other one is across the pond. Paul, tell him about yourself. Hi, I'm Paul. Thanks. Yeah, and 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 what? That's you asked me who I am. That's a pretty succinct answer, I'd say. That's the thing that people call me, Paul. I have a podcast sometimes. All right. Yeah, the podcast is called One for Paul, and I talk about movies that I haven't seen. And everybody tells me when I say I haven't seen the movie that you're talking about, and they go, "What?" I go, all right, I'll, I'll add it to the list, and then I make a podcast out of it. 
glad to be on the show again. Thanks for having me on the show. You are very welcome. Anytime. All right, guys. And then uh, we have Gazelle, who is our, uh, well, kind of like a stand-in musician co-host. But uh, she actually got this co-host, uh, this guest is coming on the show. So she stuck around for well, hopefully one more show. Maybe forever. Yep. I don't know. Here I am. <laughs> right, go ahead, Gazelle. Tell them about, about yourself. Hi, I'm Giselle, and I am from Fatal Butterfly, and uh, my solo show that I did last weekend um, was actually, you know, orchestrated a lot by our upcoming guest, so that's how I met him, through the Facebook music uh, connections things that happen with the Facebook. Huh? <laughs> At what point are we going to get fan art of you as a gazelle? Because I feel like that needs to happen. Oh my god, Paul. No idea. If you're out there and you're an artist cannot, and you'd like to that question. And you'd like to make fan art of my fabulous co-host Giselle as a gazelle, a Giselle gazelle, if you will, then uh I I'd like to see that personally. Oh, good Lord Almighty. <laughs> Tell me you who here can honestly say that they would not like to see a Giselle Gazelle. A Giselle Gazelle? A Giselle Gazelle, yes. <laughs> Illustrated I might by one know of our lovely and beautiful pull fans. That off. That's the funny thing is I probably know an artist who could pull it off. Then go do it, dude. Are go they fans it. of the stream? Because they should be. And they should also do that and send us art of it. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to answer that question. Shelly, 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 Shelly. What? What's the what? show about? I don't know. Anyway, I am Shells, <laughs> and I am the one of the founders of Let's Talk About the Music. And uh, I live here in Tacoma, Washington. And um, here is a show statement that um, we are now telling people because, yeah. All right. So Let's Talk About the Music was created back in December 2015 for independent musicians all over the world to speak their mind openly about their music identity. Mainstream artists has a platform, but you as an independent artist do not have one. So this, so we made one for you guys. In the beginning, we focus on more solely about uh, musicians, but my co-founder and I decided to open the show to everyone in the independent music industry, such as band promoters, festivals, venues, uh, performers, belly dancers, comedians, uh, everyone in the performing arts. This is your platform, people. Yours. It's all yours. Uh, so let's have a conversation about what's important to you in your industry. That's what Talk About Music is all about. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> and our guest host is having a little bit of difficulties, so he'll be here in about 15 minutes. I've got, we've got comments Sometimes already. the computers, they do things that we don't want them Howdy. to do. Howdy. Oh, look Howdy, Hey, chat. we have a friend. Hi, yeah, friend Cody. chat. Yeah, so um, what we're asking people to do for the past, uh, oh, past, past, few weeks is that if you guys want to describe to our YouTube channel, I'd be happy for it. Um, I'm trying to get a, a 100 plus, actually more than 100, but 
start with 100 plus uh to describe to our youtube channel so that way i can custom make the uh youtube link instead of those weird links thingies i can have it as ltatm media network so we're at right as of right now i have 45 subscribers i need or halfway there halfway there so go describe to our youtube channel please i thank you and hi little cody i appreciate you and remember, at 2 million subscribers, there will be a Paul face reveal. It will be horrifying. There you go. That would be great. Yeah, we reach 100. 200 billion subscribers. 200 billions, whatever, Paul. 2 and billion a, trillion dollars. And when, Wait, once we, just a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> and when, once, once we do, once we do um, reach 100, I'm actually working on an idea what we do to celebrate the these this the, the triumph of 100 subscribers on the YouTube channel. At 100 subscribers, we show you the rest of James's album Wall. There you go. There are three more <laughs> albums on that wall, and you get right, to so, know what they are. Or I might wild. spin the globe. <laughs> oh my gosh, this, the, the globe. Oh, the globe. No globe. The globe is a the meme. Globe. Let the okay, meme so, happen. So in a way, I'm kind of going home for one week only, because the original show used to be on Wednesday, but later in the on a Wednesday night. It was like 8 o'clock at night, uh, 8 to 11 on a Wednesday and then around <laughs> James and then later on it was we moved it to well, season three which is 11 seven o'clock in the morning till like 7 p.m. to uh, 10 p.m. so um, yeah so it's kind of like going home to my the original uh, date but sooner Shelly we've what? been talking for 10 minutes and we have yet to talk about the music hey i am talking about the original show for a time being where i'm used to being home here too oh i tonight. get you i feel yeah. like we ought to talk yeah. about the music too but yeah we could do that also we we're, do doing that. It on, we're also doing it on a wednesday because gazelle and i we're going to vegas on friday they're going yep. to vega so i'm making a mask to go for, for to wear to the show a circus sick mask yeah i saw that yeah i have to oh, sew that up that? hang on you made a thing gotta see that i sew up masks because i don't like the ones on the market because they make me feel like i'm being suffocated and i have panic attacks so i make my own are there pictures of it somewhere i gotta see these just a minute uh oh Oh, okay even better yeah almost like we're on a visual medium right except for me i am stuck in the past You're stuck in the past by which i mean the future Wait. Where you where you should be stuck in the past, there, Paul. You belong in the past. I don't know. What? what? I don't what? know. I'm what making small talk here. Hey, I don't know. Why do, I don't. Why know. do I belong in the past? <laughs> that was a so mean you can tell thing us about the So that way you can tell us about the future. Oh, mask! Look at that mask. Oh, I like it. It is that. majestic. Yes, I sell them, but I have my website is being worked on. I don't. Ooh. I don't have them. Available if you want unless hand you merch. Like, send me a Facebook message. Is that handmade? Are you like sewing that on or applique yourself? Is that what that is? It's iron on and sewing machine. Nice. <laughs> I don't know how to use a sewing machine. You got like a superpower. You could bond cloth to other cloth. This isn't a superpower. <laughs> this used to be like standard like home ex skills. Well, 
Uh, fair enough. It's home, home. I never understand that when someone's like, you know how to sew. I'm like, what part of not learning how to sew happened? I oh, know I how to sew in the sense of like, I was right. once okay, a boy gotta, scout. Keep, yeah, guys, yeah, keep going. I gotta go talk to him. We hear it. Yeah, that's good. That's the guest on the phone. Yeah. Interrupting the show like so, some sort of guest. Have to leave those ringing though because um, until she answers it. But yeah, I think that sewing is like part of like the regular thing, but I also believe in cutting up t-shirts. Why would so. you do that? Because it's a t-shirt. It should be cut. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've never cut a t-shirt. Maybe I should do that. I have some old shirts. It's a like, punk holy. thing. Like, no, I get you. I get you. I'm joking, but I get you. I, I am a maker, but I just cloth confuses me. And anybody who can work with cloth, especially at high level, just are they're geniuses to me. And I don't understand how they can think upside down, inside out and backwards and then come out with like a beautiful thing at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like you start with the thing inside out even. And somehow you're making all this stuff all together. You have to be spatially aware. Yes. Yeah, listen, I mean, like, you I can take off material until the thing looks like a sword, but I can't make stuff by adding stuff together. That's confusing to me. You have to understand how the fabric lays. On the I mean, bottom. you may as well be, like, a mystic uh, person at the top of a mountain with a giant long beard going, you must understand the way that the cloth lays. And I'd be well, like, oh, that, I understand. Not, I mean, it's really not that complicated. It's just... You know, because you can already do it. No, I grew up with a seamstress. Yeah, you already are able to do this <laughs> thing, which to me feels like magic. That's okay. There's all kinds of things that I'm just like, I have no idea. Cody in the chat has been cutting t-shirts since 81. Also took sewing in junior high. You could take a class in sewing in high school. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. I am trying to think what what is junior high? Middle school? Oh, so you're like uh what is that? Like year eight? Five, six, seven? Roughly. Oh, sure. Okay, five, six, seven. Roughly. Okay. I don't think I was doing that at five, six, seven. Or maybe it goes up to eighth. I think I like was... I think high school starts at ninth. Starts at age nine. Ninth grade. Oh, okay. So that's like year 10. Got it. Seventh to eighth grade. Oh, you see, you guys do the American thing. You you made the numbers weird. <laughs> we had it's perfectly good numbers. The first year you're in school, we call that year one. No, but you guys are like, no, kindergarten. kindergarten. The, year, the second year you go in, that's, no, that's year one. No, that's kindergarten. It's the German right. year. No, I get you. Yes. But like, that's surely year one of school. That's the first one, but you're like, no, 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 no. There's, there's a fake year. There's a zeroth year. We call that kindergarten. And after that, we have one. So the second year is the first year. Everybody okay with that? Great. How many inches to a furlong? What's in a bushel? How much corn is that? Is that a lot of corn? I feel like it sounds like a lot of corn. <laughs> So the, the math is, if I say you're in sixth grade, you add five years to know that your child is 11 years old, basically. 
Roughly. See, it's easy, just like fractions. <laughs> just like fractions. <laughs> right. So the next time that I need you to measure something, I will give you a fraction, like a clear fraction that you can work with. Like, for example, uh, 37 thousandths of a yard. I think we can all agree on that. That'll be that'll be pretty close to a real measurement. Thanks. This has been the Metric Hour with Metric Paul. Sorry. <laughs> you really should talk about music. <laughs> no. Let's See, here's the thing. If you look at a ruler, it's kind of like looking at the tablature for a song, especially if you're looking at where the ends of the lines are. <laughs> uh-huh. And you very much like a tab. Proper musicians are like, sudden, okay, but show me the sheet music, scales? please. You're playing scales. I get you, but like okay. tab, it shows you like less than half the story. So a tie-in with sewing and pants and music. Uh-huh. Paul. Uh, I'm listening. Sewing, sewing music pants. Got it. So there are basically three types of pants that a musician may walk in with. Can okay, you so tell when you say what, pants. Uh, 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 denim, denim jeans. Wow, you're making pants out of denim? That sounds uncomfortable, sir. Uh, yes. Uh, or they could be Trousers, polyester, maybe. Trousers. maybe. But the length of the bottom of the gene material, can you tell what band they're going to be or what type of music according to where the length of the pant falls either? Okay, mean... so ignoring the fact that what you mean is trouser, uh, if it's, uh, I think there's a gradient that you can go up. So the first one is uh, if it's like really neatly hemmed, uh, then I'm like, if it's a suit trouser, then I'm expecting classical. I'm expecting some forms of jazz, depending on where you're going. So if, you know, you're probably wearing a suit to Ronnie's. Uh, if it's denim, then uh, if you have cut it to a deliberately raggedy edge, then uh, some sort of alternative. If it's Jinkos, then some sort of alternative in 1996, and you have a time machine. Uh, if you go much shorter than that, you're into jorts territory. Yes. And I don't know anybody who would wear jorts anywhere in public. So presumably we're talking about like, ah, is there a kind of music that I really want to make fun of? Uh, who would wear jorts to a concert? Christian contemporary? Take that, Christian contemporary what? music. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I, they feel like people who would enjoy a jort. Personal, I think so. Going up to the knee, I think that if you're just above the knee, but not really above the knee, because you're kind of weird about your knees, you've come at, at a, such a weird time in this conversation, Shells. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'm explaining I'm, I'm, the I'm, I'm, gradient of uh, trouser length and what that says about the expectation of what music that person is going to enjoy. We got up to the knees so far. So if it's just, just around the knees, but you're like, I don't know about my knees, though. I feel weird about my knees then I'm feeling like maybe that's like a hardcore concert. Uh, if you I go like, just above the knees, then I feel I'm like, like I'm still saying... a hardcore concert, but you're slightly taller. If you go yeah, like half thigh, then uh, oh. whatever music, uh, whatever music like real jocks enjoy, people who really want to show off that, hey, I do not skip leg day. Uh, then you go to uh, Daisy Dukes, I think is what you call hot pants. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, at that point, you are out of material, and uh, you're probably at a rave. If I, I think had you're to at guess. Coachella, which is a large festival here in the United States, I'm aware States. of Coachella. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. I think yes, you're. Well, no, no, very interesting. Yeah, so that's the gradient of like I could make you a chart if you'd like. I feel like graph is in order. <laughs> well, I feel like well, a graph the, is in order. 
and this kind of ties in because when you're in a band, you have four members and there should be some symmetry or at least it shouldn't be confusing to the audience what what music am I going to hear? And if you have two different people wearing different length pants, that's got to be visually very confusing. There's got to be... All I'm seeing is I'm helping Tim out to get onto the show, and I'm seeing the only comment I'm seeing is Cody's comments going, what is going on here? Yeah, so Cody's comments <laughs> out of context do sound like this is a real weird show, which I would argue this is a perfectly normal, everyday, ordinary show is this yeah. program. For, yeah, for this right. one. This is what, now I'm thinking about it. Who wears ties to a concert? People going to like high level jazz, uh, people going to like the symphony and <laughs> punks, but only punks who are going to an Avril Lavigne concert. Now, what about like Spando Ballet or Flock of Seagulls or Duran Duran? I mean, during the 80s. Yeah, but that's back in the 80s. 80s always look nice and oh. punctual and all that stuff. And so, but Have now these days, it's like wearing a tie. <laughs> is like, Are we yeah. talking about the same band who look really Probably. nice? I don't know. Look up Flock of Seagulls haircut. Look up Flock of Seagulls haircut and tell me. <clears throat> She's not going to do it. Audience, look up Flock <laughs> of Seagulls and you will know it why we're laughing. goes like this and something like that. So for those listening at home without yeah, the visual, like a, James a just put his hands on his head. No, I, I was displaying where the hair goes. That's right. On your yeah, head. Yeah, it looks like a, you know, a bird thing. Looks like, a, looks like a flock of seagulls just did business on your head. But see, these these are all actual real music tangible things. Instead of asking people what influenced you to play guitar, it's like we're getting into real stuff like pants and sewing like, and yeah. well, I think I think symmetry. there is like a a movement towards more um visually entertaining shows with more costuming and like you know People intentionally choosing like a certain type of style for their band to wear on stage. And like, instead of just showing up and whatever you happen to be wearing that day, you know, I think we're kind of moving out of that. I've seen more mm -hmm. in the few shows I've been to. I've seen more, you know, attention paid to what they're wearing and, you know, the theatrics that they could do with their show. Um, I, I recall the hives wearing like full on suit to Glastonbury and it was glorious. Well, sometimes that's what's right for, I mean, like everybody wearing the light blue, you know, tuxedo. Oh yeah. Of, or like, like, like the stuff? gimmicky Absolutely. stuff, you know, like everybody dresses up in Halloween costumes They're all wearing like the same type of Halloween costume. Something like that. I mean, you know, just effort into making everybody look like they're all on the same team and there's like a show. I absolutely it's not dig just it. We're getting up on stage and playing our songs, but there's a show involved. Okay, I reckon so that's been a thing in music for like a long time. Oops. All right. So well, it comes and goes. Oops, sorry, guys. I'm going to interrupt you guys. Um, Tim is actually in the studio finally. So, yay. Right. So, so, after yay. the break, 
Yeah, so we're going to take a small break. And right here, guys, I got to do this for KGRG and for our LTATM commercials. So it's really quickly. I'm just going to announce what these are, what you see on the screen, and then uh, we'll come back to Tim. So be give me right a second. Here we go. All right, so we went with KGRG and Green River for putting me through college. Without Green River and KGRG, let's talk about the music show would not be able to reboot. So I'm happy for them. I'm actually getting a degree from these guys. Um, also, thanks to King Keller, Ramshaw Records, and Papa Sash for donating to us for two years while I was taking a break and going to college. Also, you can watch us on YouTube and Twitter. We are live there and we're stream and we put the link into Facebook. So I don't really want to be on Facebook. So uh, we're just linking everything there and I'm putting more things together. So if you guys want to go to listtopwithamusic.com, you will see where else we're going to be broadcasting live and rebroadcasting. All righty. All right. Let's get back to the show and introduce to you our guest of honor. So here he is, Timothy. Woo! Hi, Timothy. Hi, Timothy. Oh, we have uh, no good. audio for Timothy. We have no audio. Turn your mic on. Oh, let's uh -oh. check the levels. Okay. That should be levels. Yeah. All right, hang on. Sometimes uh, if, if you are using Chrome, for example, uh, you might need to give it permissions. It would have had a little pop-up at the top saying, do you want to allow the microphone, for example? That might be one dead air. I'm so dead happy you wore. I'm so keep happy talking. you wore a unique hat, though. That is okay, keep keep talking, guys. I'll get, I'll get him. Help okay, him. we'll Hang keep on. talking. You gonna? I lost. I forgot what we were and, talking about. <laughs> oh, well, we were talking about trousers and their various oh, lengths. Clothing, right? Yep. Well, you also, know, you guys uh, can you guys can start talking about music business. This is about music business. Well, Come we were on, talking James. about stage clothing. Oh, That's yeah, true. like. Okay. It started out with like what length of trousers if a bands are wearing what length of trouser is related to like their music. So well, that was a dumb bit and I'm not proud of it. I know. Anyways, that's where it all started. <laughs> what, by which I mean, I'm like unreasonably proud of it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, we were talking about how. Um, you know, I think that there's a movement more towards okay. like these are my stage clothes. These are my regular clothes kind of a thing where we had um well, i don't even understand what you're saying cody i think he's gone what? to water his horses so For he might God's be sake, back later your in. i don't know what a scully is but it does be right back. awful <laughs> oh i like our chat chat is great okay so yeah that's what we were talking about what else is there yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's music has always felt to me sort of visual in a way. I sorry, not in itself, it's, it's, oh, that's phone. Is the mic set up? Can you hear me? Um, yeah. Let me, check, let me check. But that's through the phone. Through the phone, we can hear you. Yeah. Wait. All right. No, wait, we can, can hear you, you on the actual we mic. We can hear you. Sit on to the stream yard. Okay, I just hung up. Can you hear yeah, me there now? There we go, that works. We can yeah. hear you now. Yes! Hooray! Thanks, we have it! It's a miracle. Do you, need more Do you need more volume? Yes. Sounds good to me. Yeah, a little, okay. little bit more, Tim. Are you, are you guys sure? More volume. Okay, yeah. I trust you. 
Yep. We're just uh there we go. Perfect. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Perfect. All there right. We go. No, we got it. That sounds good. There we go. Is that good? Sounds good. That's perfect. Thank you, Timothy. Perfect. We did it. All right. So welcome to let's talk about the music. <laughs> oh my god. You've you had have a, day. a you had a lovely journey getting here. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a day. Yeah, you know, it's been all sharks and no mermaids. <laughs> oh uh, man, we gotta well, find those mermaids here in Detroit. Yeah, get rid of those sharks, man. <laughs> yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. So Timothy, tell us about yourself before we start going to the topic. All about you. I was born in a basket in the river. They found me next to the reeds. That's how old I am. Uh, I've been in the music business for 56 years. And I'm an authority on what not to do. You know, sometimes we don't know what to do, but I sure know what not to do. And that's, right. uh, that is equally helpful. And um, I like to nurture artists. I like to build careers. Uh, I don't have uh, an ulterior motive. Uh, notice a lot of producers will have a bunch of songs they want artists to cut. Now you're cutting the producer's songs. You're not. You're not cutting the artist's songs. And I'm. Uh, I'm just a, a, a rabid pro artist uh, supporter. And. Uh, I love what I do, and you'd be surprised how many people in this business don't love what they do. I'm talking about people on the other side of the desk. I'm not talking about artists, but so many, um, so many uh, producers, engineers, and the like. And I'm not denigrating uh, them as a group. However, many of them are failures. So down deep, there's some animus towards artists. And that's how it's frustrating. You you want to have the wind at the artist's back and have have them have as much as support as they as they can get, honest support. You know. That's so you've you been in the industry for how long? Did you say fifty six years? Fifty six years. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. It's so you, you've worked time. with. You sent us a list of the people you've worked with, and in there are some of my favorite artists for like a sure. long time. Who have you? Who are like the standouts that you've worked with? So our audience knows. Well, I I came from Canada. Uh, Jim Dandy calls me a sled neck, a redneck. Oh man! Well, I'm from, I'm from Montreal, so we're in good company. Tu parles français? Moi, je parle français. Ouais, visiblement. C'est bon. Ouais, ça fait longtemps que j'en parle pas là, mais écoute. Look at you. My God. Well, is... I, yeah, um, I, I produced in Vogue. I produced uh, the Vance and uh, Skinnerd. I produced Black Oak Arkansas. I did four albums for Allman Brothers. I did all for one, produced them. Uh, I'm working right now this week with Redbone, Names from the Past. Ooh. I did their record in 74, and we're back doing some more with with the uh, vertical members, the rest of them have joined the choir invisible. But um, I've been doing a long time. Uh, memorable was being in a band. I started out as a singer and did really, really well as a singer. 
but it reached a point where it wasn't fun anymore. Um, being the last person to get paid or being, you know, not in control of one's, uh, one's career. And uh, that's very frustrating when you're waiting to turn into Thursdays. Every, every musician knows this, that I'm going to hear back from so-and-so next week. Or, and, and time flies. Uh, I, I went on the road and opened up for Led Zeppelin on their first Canadian tour. So that was certainly an eye-opener. Our drummer, the minute he heard John Bonham quit the business, <laughs> and uh, I think he's selling doors of some sort uh, in Ottawa, Canada. So, uh, you know, my, my career has been a, just been a blessing. Lastly, not that I want to talk about me, uh, but I owned 14 recording studios from 94 to ni or from 74 to 96 in Los Angeles. So Monday I would have uh, Motley Crue, Tuesday I'd have Elton John, Wednesday I'd have Megadeth. It, I was in the belly of the beast, and more often than not, before I was producing, uh, the, the artists would come in like, it was surreal. David Bowie would come in and say, hey, mate, you want to give this a listen? Tell me what you think. I mean, you had to pinch yourself. And so you'd go in and listen, and of course you'd love it. Uh, but you'd be an idiot if you weren't able to derive little bits of knowledge from these really, uh, you know, superstar uh, talents. And uh, so there's barely anyone that I don't know or that I haven't worked with. And uh, lastly, the challenge is new artists or artists that are older because all your calls are outgoing. If you're representing, uh, say, someone like um, Lady Gaga, uh, all the calls are incoming. Hi, would you like to do this? Would you like to be involved with that? We have money for this. We it doesn't work that way with new artists or with artists that don't have a, a, a following and a demographic. It's all uphill. It's a lot of work. So uh, these are the things that I enjoy is moving the ball down the field for artists. What do you reckon the job of the producer is? Because I've, I've asked well, the same question all, from Sylvia Massey, for example, and she had a real interesting answer. So I've been uh, talking to a bunch of different producers and it feels like everybody has like a different idea of what the job is. Okay. I've got, I've got an answer. I don't know if it, if it will fit. First of all, you need someone to blame. Okay. And so oh, that's a good answer. I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah, if an artist, if an artist does their own graphics on their album and they write all the songs and they engineer it and they produce it and they perform on it uh, and they play it uh, and deliver it to either a label or a funding entity uh, and they go, eh, don't like it. There's no car in the driveway to d escape. There, nope. It's all on you. However, if you have a producer, whether he's good or bad, but the product isn't acceptable or there's it's being denigrated, then at that point you can say, well, that son of a bitch didn't understand me. He never listened to any of my ideas. He should be selling doors or, you know, whatever. Um, it, it, that feels good because you've got an out. 
the music stops, you've got a chair. But if you take too much on, you write the songs, you publish them, you're the producer, you've engineered, you do it all, there's no one else to affix the blame with. Secondly, more importantly, my view of a job as a producer is to be a reducer, to get things out of the foreground. For example, um, uh, sometimes you look at a, a wedding ring or an engagement ring, and there's a big stone on top, and then you have all these little chips. And the little chips support the big stone. But if everything is a big chip or a big stone, you don't notice there's no focal point to the to the artist, and you need to you need to extract these things in the background and focus, make the music really uh, get to the get to the joke. Because a song is a joke. The verses, you know, three guys walked into a bar, and here comes the chorus. You know, your mama. Uh, so the point is, uh, a, the chorus is is a joke. The verse is. is um, you know, the story that leads up to that. And most importantly, at the very top of the song needs to be the wink, a wink on a hit. I'm talking about a commercial song, not self-indulgent. You know, I'm not talking about Stevie Vai or George Lynch or stuff where there's miles of shredding and it doesn't matter. You're there to ogle their manual dexterity. But I'm talking about, the kind of songs that I do, which are happy me. Uh oh, just lost the screen. Oh, oh you're uh, still well, with we can us. Still hear you. We'll see you. We'll see you. <clears throat> yeah, you're I still with you. us or not with us, but we can see you and hear yeah, we you. see you. Okay, good. Um, anyway, the um, when you uh, when you hear the intro to a whole lot of love or smoke on the water, I'll use those two or satisfaction. Or, um, you know, you go down the list. Before the singers even opened his pie hole, um, you're already in, you're invested in the song. That mm -hmm. that wink automatically gets it. So I, I, I digress, but a producer's job is to be the conduit, to be, uh, hopefully have great taste. And be able to say to an artist where they respect them enough to say, you know what, uh, we need a rougher version. You're too polite, or we need you to do. I, I need you to do something that's a little more edgy to push them, to encourage them, to nurture them. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it yeah. depends. For example, if you have an artist like James Taylor, you set the lighting in the room. I've sat in on sessions with him. Uh, is your tea warm enough, James? Do you have some some mints or some lozenges? Okay, hit record and nobody say anything. Let him do his thing. Now, there are other producers that have to, you know, like a Mutt Lang uh, uh, producer who goes overboard, in my view, uh, with a band. And, you know, after the band is done, he replaces all their their instruments and, uh, you know, sings some parts and adds this and that. And pretty soon, it's his record. So producers have a varied uh, job. Now, granted, he got the job done for Le Def Leopard. They uh, they had tremendous hits, you know. 
But at the end of the day, it wasn't their record. It was his. So the, the main thing is for a producer, get out of the way. Uh, be the conduit. Make it happen. Encourage, nurture. But don't get your fingerprints on it. And, uh, for example, if you listen to Babyface, a lot of his production all sounds the same. It's like his record. And uh, I do a very bunch of, uh, of artists that I produce, and I try to let them be as pure and real as who they are. And so you, you know who they are. So it doesn't matter who I am. It matters who they are and that they're well represented you know, and captured in, in the music. I see well, what I you're guess- saying. At what point do you lose something if you don't have, say, a George Martin in the Beatles, though? Because he was definitely present in a lot of those records. He sure was. And he w- came from a... Uh, I never met him. I knew, uh, I knew their engineers, uh, Ken Scott, and also... Um, uh, uh, the other, the other engineer, which who recently died, um, but but he was integral uh, as far as you know from an orca- orchestral standpoint, and he was from the days when you know literally you wore a suit and tie to the studio, and uh, he had so much credibility with Capitol at the time, and uh, that that people gave him the latitude to let Paul do what Paul wanted to do, because much of it was Paul, um, you know, the arrangements and whatever Paul, Paul really, or Sir Paul, who was a client of mine at one point, uh, Paul is beyond brilliant when it comes to arrangements and counterpoint and harmonies and stuff. But George was involved, uh, clearly, you know, uh, artists should be so lucky to have someone like a George Martin, you know, it does seem to be like there's a different style of producer then. There's got to be as many producers as there are personality types almost. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, there are. And the main thing is that they, uh, the artists don't find themselves in the shade of the producer. Does that make sense? Totally does. Yeah, I was, th- I was remembering what I know about auteur theory, and I can definitely hear a producer's work, right? Like right. there's a lot of the the pop stuff that's made by that one Swedish guy, so all of the pop sounds the same thing. What is his name, right. Max? You know who I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did. Uh, I'm too sexy for my shirt, and, and uh, I had had worked. A lot of this stuff had the ABBA esque kind of a treatment to him, uh, Max. Uh, and he's he's a great commercial producer. Um, but you're right. He has his own samples, his own sounds. And there's Max a Martin. that's who I'm thinking of. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you reckon all producers have that sort of sound to their work? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. But well, in other words, the band should have the. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had worked with the Wrecking Crew a million years ago, uh, back in Los Angeles, and everything was correct. Uh, the tracks were great. Hal Blaine is a, was a great drummer. Carol Kay was a great bass player. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, everybody, Tommy Tedesco was a great guitar player, but everything was very generic that had no flavor. 
it just was all correct. If you listen to a monkey's record, or you listen to Nancy Sinatra record, God forbid, or you listen to any of that old stuff, it was all good, but it had didn't have a flavor. You listen to an animals, an old animals record, mm. or an old Stones record, or an old, uh, you know, any uh, any of the New Guard, uh, the British invasion when they came in. Uh, they were all offered these musicians and they said, hell no, we don't want them. So uh, I think that for a producer to have his sound uh, is a mistake. Uh, I, I, the whole idea is to frame and capture the artist, not the producer. Now you got yeah. the tail wagging the dog if the producer is, is too important, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely, when I was was, uh, hanging out with Sammy and Limberlost, you know, I, being an old artist and someone who's grown up in the industry on different kinds of levels and stuff and have at times like worked with talent agents and then at times I've done my own thing and now I self-manage, like hanging out with them most of the time i don't want to deal with that like i want to self-manage but hanging out with them i felt like you're a different you're more the type of producer that does nurture the actual artist for being their artist right for being who they are right and not like this image that you think they are that you're gonna like smush them into and um so it was really a good experience for me to hang out with people that you actually work with. Well, Gazelle, one of the things that I think is really important is that a producer does not change an artist, but make them more of who they are. You can't change James Taylor. You can't change Freddie Mercury. You can't change these iconic artists. They are who they are, but you can encourage them to push a little bit, get a little crazier on that part. Don't be shy. Get in, get in the listener's grill. Um, the, I think the worst thing is to try to change someone because now they're not authentic. Even a band like Kiss, who uh, Gene Simmons stuck his head in my office at Christmas time and said, hey, what's your favorite Kiss song? And I said, the shortest one. And that <laughs> but the fact of that the fact of the matter is they are the real deal. They may not be my real deal. I never was a Kiss Army fan, but they painted their faces and were great comic book, uh, you know, Japanese style characters back in the day. But when a band like um, Insane Clown Posse paint their face and go out and do what they do or slipknot, they fill rooms with about two to 5,000 people. Uh, conversely, uh, Kiss can sell out a stadium because they're authentic. I'm not saying they're great, but they're the real, they're who they are. And that's right. why when you see someone like God rest his soul, BB King, he was authentic. He wasn't, he wasn't cubic zirconia. And I think whoever you are as an artist, you have to be authentic. Be who you are and love yourself. And you don't have to be that good. Just be real. So is it even possible to self-produce then? Because there's a lot of artists. Uh, I'm thinking Daft Punk, for example. 
but also guys like Prince who self have uh, self-produced, I should say not self-published, excuse me. Is that even possible under your definition of what a producer does? Well, Nelson, uh, Prince, Prince was a prick. And um, I, I, I knew him and ran into him on several occasions. Unbelievable guitar player. Unbelievable talent. But he, everything he touched, he ruined. He ruined uh, time. He ruined uh, Tevin Campbell. He ruined Lisa Lisa. No matter who he got involved with, he couldn't be a producer. He had to, he, he helped, but he, then he stopped when the, these artists started to get traction. It was all about him. Uh, he was the kind of guy that if, hello? Yeah, we're we can still no, hear you. We're still here. Oh, what, what I'm saying is he's the kind of guy, if he went to a wedding, he'd have to be in a dress. If he went to a funeral, he had to be in the box. And as a producer, producing himself, he did great. Uh, you can't take it away. He was a genius yeah. in every level. Um, but he wasn't a nice guy and was very devious. And, uh, I mean, Tevin Campbell was unbelievably talented and should have enjoyed a great career. Same as Lisa Lisa, same as Vanity. And they never got out of the gate. And I blame him for it. Mm. Makes sense? Makes sense? I suppose yeah. so. Uh, so you're, you're, uh, to summarize slightly, you're, they're people who can self-produce, but that doesn't mean that yep. they're good producers in the main. They couldn't produce someone else. Yeah. Now, Todd Rundgren is a, 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 a great example of someone who is a fabulous producer and also can produce other people with unbelievable clarity. But there, are, but there are there there are few and far between in my view. Uh, um, Nile Rogers, who is a partner of mine, uh, we worked together. I produced in Vogue and All for One, and Nile was the executive producer. And Nile can Nile can produce. He can get out of the way. But um, but Prince was an enigma. I mean, I, he was the total package. I just, I didn't like what he did with his artists, to be frank with you, because they never, they never blew up like they should have. Not one of them. You know? James, do you have any questions you want to ask him? I always think of like on the band management side, uh, making healthy boundaries. Have you ever had to make healthy boundaries? Yeah. One of the key, you know, the good news uh, with COVID-19 is that all the rascals, all the posers, all the managers or that at least call themselves managers but couldn't manage an Arby's a night shift yes. are out of the business because there's no loose money. Yeah. These guys couldn't manage their ass. And they have very, very little uh, acumen, and and uh, they're they're in it for the dough. They are out, and that's a good thing. They're that out. is a good thing. It, it is a good thing. As far as boundaries, I think a manager's contract should be tied financially, and in many respects, it is. For example, um. You can challenge the enforceability of a contract in many states 
just from the standpoint that if an artist hasn't hit what's considered to be poverty level, and they vary from state, in yes. Los Angeles, it's 21 grand. Uh, in Washington State, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But my point is, if an artist hasn't received, hasn't realized $21,000 worth of uh, income uh, over the pendency of the one the year uh, that the manager ostensibly is managing him, uh, that contract uh, pursuant to uh you know uh, basically uh not just not just the court but but just basically uh it, it doesn't it it, it it it's unenforceable and yes. so you can yes. get out but i think tying uh the, the the income to the enforceability of a contract is healthy in other words if you don't get me x y and z when you don't get me so much money over that course of the year, I'm free and clear. And I think that's fair. A boundary, yes. Boundaries are good. It's the difference between taking a feather to bed with your girlfriend or a, or a whole chicken. <laughs> well, and it makes me think of when managing a band, you could become a parent or you can remain the objective manager yes um one of the problems with management is every most of the problems are financial if yes. a band goes out on a tour and they blow a tire and they have a soft show or two uh all eyes are on the manager to make it right that, that's why your better managers are financially uh solvent and can, can make things happen. Uh, a manager that I worked with uh, and represented and have done deals for is Doc McGee. And Doc McGee, who has uh, a number of major acts, including Kiss, but he managed uh, uh, Motley Crue and he also managed uh, um, uh, Bon Jovi and uh, several other acts had money galore. And money is really helpful. It's the world's greatest deodorant. And if you've got money, you can you can do better sets for your man. What? Yes. It's so weird. I can't see anyone. I'm looking at a Google. That's all I can see. <laughs> Somehow I lost. You know. You know. Uh, but uh, if it's you can still somewhere. see me. Yeah. 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 We can no. It. Yeah, we have a my condolence. This is what fifty-six years in the business does to you. So, <laughs> you know, it gets you a cool. My, my, yeah. Thank you. See the the my heroes are not musical heroes. They're John Waters, Andy Warhol, and Salvador Dali, all who were just unbelievably uh, great self-promoters, and all three were nuts. And uh, I, I gravitated towards those three, as opposed to Peter Grant, who managed uh, Zeppelin or you know Sandy Gallen or all the all the the, the mockers in the business. Uh, I I like people that were edgy and crazy and nutty. You know, Can you imagine because what it's a crazy Dali would do with a Twitter account. Oh my gosh. That would he would this be the is a guy troll. 
Well, he would be. And this is a guy that had a pet anteater and used to walk it in Paris. Now, I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's cool. <laughs> a pet anteater in Paris. Okay. He had just like a monkey on a talk show once and he threw it at people on the talk show. He threw the monkey? I think he threw the monkey, yeah. It was either that or a tiny anteater, and he just like threw it at one of the other guests on the talk show. There's footage of it. I'm pretty sure oh, there is at least. God, I'm I'll, I'll reasonably certain that. I'm not making it up. No. All right. Well, are you still there? I'm yeah, still here. Yeah, we're still here. Okay, we gotta take a, a. Yeah, we gotta take a little bit of a break. Um, Fair this enough. this show gets re-aired on KGRG on Saturdays at 2 p.m. So this is my little bit break to know when I have to cut out our own breaks out. So I'm gonna do this real quickly. I'll we'll come back, and we have some people in the in the chat room who wants to say hi to you. So we'll conquer that in just a second. So give me a second. Okay, right. guys. Here is the deal. Um, I want to take thanks to time to thank KGRG and Green River for putting me through college and learning how to pull a radio station together and a talk show like this, and or more professional, actually. So without them, I would not be able to reboot my podcast. Let's talk about the music. So yay for KGRG and Green River. Um, also, we want to thank uh, Ken Keller, Ram Show Record, and Papa Sash for donating for two years to keep me going because I was actually in college. So if you guys want to donate, the donation button is on our website. Go to ltatm.com or let's talk about the music and we are taking donations. We are streaming live on YouTube and Twitter. We're not on Twitch anymore. I need to change that icon. And uh, if you wanted to describe to us on YouTube channel, we are trying to get to 100 plus so we can, we, we can customize the link. And there we go. And that's it for me. And we'll go back into the chat room. And we have, where's she at? We have the first one. Oh, Miss Wendy says, hello, Tim. Good to see you. Thanks for sharing your, your knowledge. Well, hello, Wendy. <laughs> it's that, not we have Cody Wendy. there. Just says, please, please tell Tim howdy for me. We have yep. Cody. Oh, Cody. Cody's wonderful. If that's, if that's Cody, Cody, uh, Cody dependent, he's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, he's he's the best. Such a great character. I love him. Awesome. Now, here's a question I I want to know is that it, do you go out and scout these talented or do they come to you? Um a little of each. I, okay. I, you know, I'm I'm out. I'm a night I'm a night uh, person, so I go out. Obviously, this last year has been challenging because most of your venues are closed, but right. now I'm, now I'm doing that. I moved to Hong Kong in 2012, so I do go and see a lot of bands in Japan and also in Hong Kong. Uh, I haven't been able, because of COVID this last year, to go home, so I've been stuck in L.A., which is uh, frustrating, to say the least. However, um, I do go out. I love to see bands and new artists and, and bravery. And you know, it's I'm 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 glad things are opening up. I hope it's not futile. I hope we don't get another variant and it's all closed again. That's a concern. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm concerned about it too. So tell us more. I mean, you talked about uh, David Bowie. So what was it like uh, working with him? David Bowie was a true artist. His manager. I I had uh, a bunch of plastic surgery done. 
And his manager said, why don't you stay in my guest home uh, in Benedict Canyon? So I did. And I remember coming out of, uh, out of uh, surgery and being wheeled into this guest home and, and loafing and just kind of being comatose and waking up and seeing David at the foot of my bed, which I, I thought at first was an apparition. And then he said, you should have seen the other guy because I was black and blue. And so we had a laugh and we used to have the same hairdresser. Uh, so we used to get a haircut by the same person. And I knew Earl Slick who worked for him, uh, who was his guitar player. And David, David was a, uh, you know, David was a handful, um, you know, uh, not what he seemed. Um, I, you know, I, David was, uh, uh, an opportunist and a predator in his own right, and very, very, very talented and very kinky. Oh, we'll leave it at that. You know. Okay. All right. So, the, tell, I have tell no further questions us. about that. I don't know about <laughs> oh, you guys. Okay. I feel like that settled every possible question about that. <laughs> he, he was. He was an. Uh, he was an absolute gentleman. Uh, to, to, to be clear, uh, a white one knew, at, uh, last reckoning. You knew when he walked in a room, it just oh, wow. the room spun around the guy. He was he had wattage, real wattage. You know, just just uh, probably more than anyone when when he was in the building. Uh, maybe Elvis Presley was 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 close by, but. Uh, David was amazing, amazing guy. He hated his voice, by the way. He never liked the sound of his voice. Really? He was amazing no. voice. Well, he's a stylist. You know, he was a stylist. He wasn't a singer. And he would paint, and he would do all different forms of art. He wasn't limited merely to, you know, he would act, as you know. And he kind of acted as a singer. But he never cared for the sound of his voice, he told me. And it was always frustrating him. Unlike, say, Mick Jagger, if you remember the song they did, Dancing in the Street. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mick loved the sound of his voice. And Mick, uh, no one has a voice like Mick. Uh, but David, David, uh, you know, David never cared for the sound of his voice. Always used to, uh, Tony Visconti used to produce him, always used to have to put a lot of effects on his voice to, to make David happy, you know? Wow. Right. I mean, can't argue so, with I the think... results when the record sounds like that though. You it's can't. Right. No. Yeah. You can't. Uh, you know, it's uh, he, David Bowie remind me a little bit of um, uh, James Brown in that they were so big as a energy that trying to, uh, get them on a little piece of plastic on a CD or on a record was really a challenge to, to, you know, to distill it all down to just, you know, a piece of plastic because they were, they were bigger than life. They were just unbelievably, uh, unbelievably uh, powerful people. You know, awesome. have you worked, have you worked with anybody uh, newer, younger now, say in the last few years, who is comparably that kind of character, that kind of presence in a room? Newer or older? 
Uh, new, I, yeah, yeah, that was a bad sentence on my part. You're correct. Uh, I meant, um, it's been a very long day. I'm in London. It's 10 o'clock at night. Oh, you are? 25 degrees all day. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'm a comedy relief. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah, he's, but the, he's the comedy. That's okay. me. I make how, the bad how, jokes how, all the time. But yeah, I, I'm a, I guess my question is, uh, are you working with anybody recently, uh, whether whether just the younger guys, the newer generation of musicians who are similarly coming up now, who have that kind of energy, power, whatever you'd like to call it, that you're describing? Um. The quick answer is sort of. That's like being a little bit pregnant. Um, one, of the, one of the upsides and downsides uh, to social media is that people uh, are able to get their thoughts and their, their fashion and their style and their music out uh, hand over fist. The downside is that there's, there's very little mystique. People, uh, artists tend to over-release. Uh, they have far too much uh, product in the marketplace, far too many photos, far too much stuff. So the mystique goes. One of the, one of the things about, uh, say, a, a Robert Plant or a Mick Jagger, it, there was, there'd be a blast of stuff when they were touring, and then they would go into, they would be recluse. and. Right. and no one really knew what they were up to. And, the, and so when this, the album came out, you'd want to read about where it was recorded and, and who was involved, whatever. Now, people don't care. The, the sense of, I guess what it is to answer is there's not the loyalty on the other side. Uh, people now, from what I see, uh, uh, yeah, they love artists, but they don't have the the passion for um, uh, Michael Jackson or Freddie Mercury. Uh, they don't follow artists. Uh, I'm talking about younger generation. They don't they don't hang on their every um, their their every move like we did back in the day. You know about the Beatles or about the Stones or or, or whatever. Um, so that's frustrating. Um, there, the, you know, it takes a while to build that uh, that mystique and know who you are. There's some very cool artists. Her is uh, very impressive, and she's got a great attitude. Uh, actually, I shouldn't really just rattle off favorites of mine uh, because it doesn't matter who my favorites are. What matters are are your new artists that that you like. The problem is there's only, except in India, there's only 12 notes. So a lot of what's been done has been done. And so, uh, you know, I love artists that, that, that um, your best writers are artists that are outgoing visually, like an Elton John or a Bjork or a Madonna, oh, not that I'm a fan of hers, Lady Gaga. People that dare to be, uh, you mentioned Prince. I, I'm not seeing people that are putting, that are becoming the whole package uh, where they're trendsetters and taste setters, as well as just singers and writers and musicians, you know? 
I um, I think those people are are hidden right now because I know a number that are like that. Actually, we're just we're not. Uh, I mean, we're working on our online presence. Some of us and like yeah. I mean, I'm one of those where it's like I'm not even expressing my full potential. I'm somewhere in like 25% of my potential. I'm like bouncing around in there, you know. Right. So if I had the right backing and everything, I could be Lady Gaga easy in tap shoes. Well, let's, bouncing let's, around let's, on a stripper pole. I mean. Let's, <laughs> now let's talk about that for one second. And I, I'm pretty opinionated on that. For example. Okay, your average player, and, and you know who he is. He's got a Les Paul that he paid two grand for, right? He's got a Marshall that he paid two grand for. So he's invested four grand in his career. Okay, he's got four grand in his career, and he's waiting for a fat guy to walk into the uh, venue that he's playing with the cigar with the contract. He spent $4,000 to promote himself. Now take a plumber who's bought a van and has bought tools and, and has taken out ads, has a, uh, has a landing page, Facebook, and has bought stickers and, and flyers about it. He spent 40 grand. He spent 10 times what a guitar player has done. So the bottom line is labels are no longer incubators where they give development money. Artists have to find, in my view, they have to find a benefactor, at, not a funder. Uh, again, you don't want you don't want to get an investor because investors and um, in, investors and in, investors have a expectation of uh, return ROI on their money. What what artists need to get are, are patrons of the art. They need to get people that will help them, give them money, help them with their career. And uh, you have to do it yourself. Perfect example is a band called Sugarland out of Texas. The, the guitar player on that band is a guy named Chris Bush. His family owns Bush Beans, and he borrowed 350000 to make Sugar Land uh, to get them up and going. So I'm just saying that uh, having not having money is not, is, is you have to, you have to fund yourself. You have to make great records, and you have to have a great set and a great show and and great outfits and great artwork um or it's not going to happen nobody's going to do it for you in 2021 labels yeah. are not looking right now for new talent they say they are but they aren't they're terrified because uh they're they're absolutely terrified because they're unsure of the uh of of what's ahead well, and I think that's why a lot of us are, are doing the self-management, right. even if we have someone who's asking, who's offering, you know, we're, we're sticking with the self-management because if we're not able to totally 100% bring all of the package onto the table and have, you know, that kind of negotiating power and be able to just completely do the whole thing, then we're better right. off 
you know, self-managing and handling our stuff on, on our own, you know, handling our merch sales stuff on our own and, you know, all of that. I mean, I've put definitely put in a lot of money into my band and into myself, but yeah. I don't consider it of any of it to be like a loss, you know, whereas if I was borrowing from someone, then I'd have to pay all that back. So well, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's if it was an investment. Uh, but you can get a straw man. For example, um, it's very hard for you to say, I'm great. I'm playing tomorrow night. You got to come down and see me. It's it's so handy to have a straw man or woman say, oh, man, Gazelle, you've got to see this show. She is dope. She is on fire. Uh, there's nothing. They don't have to be your manager, per se, but you need to have a mouthpiece because what happens is uh, you don't want to say no to anyone. You need to have you need to have a no man with your yes man. For example, if someone says, "Hey, we've got a, a benefit we're doing, and it's it's in Spokane, and it's going to take you three hours to get there, and there's no money," and you, oh, I'd love to do it. Uh, let me check with my 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 you know, my spokesperson or my, you know, my manager, even if they're not and let them be there. They go, Oh no, we've, we've set you up. You're going to be, you're going to be interviewed by Shelly. <laughs> you can't yeah. you can be in two places. And by the right. way, Shelley, congratulations on your, uh, on your program, uh, oh, your you. programming position. Congratulations. It's wonderful. Thank you. But my, my point besides the one in my head is you can have a front person or acting manager and throw them a couple of bucks or they're a friend and they're the people that let you say yes to everyone and then they come in with the bad news and, and insulate you from every kind of person that's selling you something, you know, food for right. thought. I've you know? Well, I've used that, I mean, because I've used promoters and stuff and like... Kevin, you know, Enloe threw me a major bone and Good. he provided his own way of making sure I kept my spot, you know, and mm -hmm. I appreciate that Good. because uh, I was trying something brand new. I didn't know what, how right. it was going to go. But you're in <laughs> Seattle. Yes, Elle, you're in yeah. Seattle, right? Yeah, I'm up north of Seattle. Well, there yeah. are more millionaires per capita in North America, in Seattle, many people that have had stock split with Boeing mm -hmm. or Amazon or, you know, Microsoft and they're patrons of the art and they, they are happy to help. I've been working the Seattle area for one of those reasons. And I, I got to tell you, I've seen more people. They they just wanted to be part of something. They bought a tour bus or they bought studio time or they helped. And they had no expectations of a return on investment. And it, the, the, the town is full of those people. And if you have a friend who is who loves you and wants to help you, uh, that's really helpful. I've seen it a dozen, dozens of times. In King County, we're at the finding the the friend part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. we're at the finding the friend part. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Like this yeah. lockdown has completely messed up all of my. Yeah, and my it has things. been a great deal. So um, all of my things are 
wackadoodled. So what you need is a musical sugar daddy. Yes. Apparently, that's what I'm being told. <laughs> why not? Why not? I agree. I, why, I it's mean, 2021. I need a sugar daddy for this show. <laughs> I won't turn anyone that, that comes and says I would like to be your your music or performance sugar daddy. I will not turn you away. Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's not quid pro, pro quo. It's not, uh, you know, it doesn't have to have a a uh, salacious component. Oh, well, I mean, the most salacious I was going for was like, and you'll play my kid's birthday party. Well, right. that listen, I'll yeah, I'll I'll shave I'll shave his back if you'll fund my band. You know? <laughs> hey, you know, there's all Your kinds of things we can talk about hairy hairy back. that don't have well, to cross eight. any lines whatsoever. I mean, I'm a very creative person. I can come up with all kinds of things that don't cross lines because the crossing of the lines thing is kind of really expensive. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about I, wa I do want to talk about Lamberloss though. They're up here in Seattle. They're getting to go on tour. So you work with Lamberloss. Yeah, my limber again. I told them about this. <laughs> oh my god! I left it right there. So Lamberloss happens every time I get hurt. <laughs> Limberlost is uh, like Noah's Ark. There's two of everything in that band. They're there not. Is. They're not uh, typical of any band I've ever met. Uh, the goodness of that band, and I'm talking, that's not to be underestimated. The kindness, the goodness, the moral, not that I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the last person to talk about morals, but the, the moral compass that this band has as far as how they treat people and how they treat each other and speak with each other and work together is astounding. I've never seen anything like it. They're the kindest, most considerate people I've ever met in a band. And uh, so when I met Mike Burt, uh, the, the, the uh, leader of the band, and who's a very motivated guy, um, Limberloss is where they are because of Mike. And the, the two ladies in the band, uh, Crystal and Brittany, are sensational singers. And they're just, they're great writers and singers and great people. And uh, I wish there were more artists like this because they're, they're just wonderful. They're, they're very upper chakra, which, you know, <laughs> I'm not used to, you know, coming from Hollywood and Vegas and where a lot of music is lower chakra in their lyrics uh, or in their, their style of selling live. This band is very, very, um, you know, very proper in that respect, but uh, absolutely love them. Just lovely, lovely people. That's good. But do they have flower hats? That's the question we all need to know. Flower, flower hats. But kind of guess who literally has flowers on his hat. I thought it was a good callback. Not every joke can be a winner. It's fine. We can move on now. It's a tough room. Yeah. It's but, a tough room. It's a tough room. <laughs> um, I blame the room. You know, it's it wasn't the right room for you. It's not you. Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> thank you for you insulating know? me from my critics, Tim. Look, Very kind I, of you. I, I, I did stand up once and uh this is terrifying. It would well what happened I, I I did 15 minutes and and I, in New York 
and I was on the subway uh, on the way home, and the guy looked over at me, and he said, you are funny. I said, well, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. He said, no, no, seriously, you are really, really funny. And I said, well, thank you. And then there was a woman, a washerwoman with a mop and a bucket sitting up uh, in the next seat. And he looked at her and he said, and you are funny. <laughs> really, really. And he went through the, so. Um, it's possible she has a really good tight five. She could, she could, she could, but she's playing Chuckles in Route 35 just outside of Poughkeepsie and uh, for $30 a night and a hoagie. Uh, it's a tough business, comedy. <laughs> if you think music's tough, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's I not run a for comedy podcast. Believe me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer to smush my things all together and do them all at once in one one thing. Yeah, and just that was a that was classic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is the smushmeister. People might not talk to me afterwards, but the grin on their face says everything. <laughs> oh, God. I liked that, what you did, but I am ashamed of enjoying it, so I'm going to leave now. Uh, so here's a question for you. So when you find yourself an artist, um, do you actually um, have a guideline what they want them to do, or or how 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 do they go about making their project into a business or into what they're doing? Do you have a okay. process? I yeah. First of all, I think what's really important is less is more. For example, an artist will go, all right, I want to I wanna record five tunes. And you go, how much money have you got? Well, I've got X. You don't have enough money to do five tunes properly. Yeah, but I want to do, no, no, do one great. Do one iconic photo and one drop-dead video. Because if that doesn't work, people aren't going to listen to the second and third one, Okay. Uh, you, we've all gone to a website and seen a zillion pictures. You don't need that. You need one drop dead landing page picture. Uh, think about, for example, Prince on the motorcycle, you know, in Purple Rain, or Jimi Hendrix with his guitar on fire, or Madonna in her bullet bra. One shot. That's all you need to tell people who you are. And if they don't get it from that one shot and that one song, then you need to go back and retool. So I look for someone who's reasonable and someone who goes, okay, wait a minute. I really don't need all these tunes. I need one that really represents who I am. And, a, and because people listen with their eyes, a drop dead photo is absolutely paramount. So that when you go and you go to a promoter, an agent, you say, here's my song, here's my video, and here's my picture. It's right there. Bam. Bam. Right there. Just and ahead of the show, we were talking about how weirdly important logos are. Looking at uh, Giselle's logo there. It's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm supporting logo. my logo. Yeah. I logos, like the logo. Logos are important. And, and that one drop-dead photo. Because people listen with their eyes, you know. I had a guy call me last night saying, man, I'm looking for work. And, and uh, you know, he's a drummer. 
And I love the guy. He's a wonderful guy. And I said, well, uh, do you have a website? No, I've been thinking about it. Jesus Christ, it's 2021. How about it? You know, drive people to it. Look for work. It'll tell everyone you need to know. And uh, a lot of people don't. I've got a pretty snappy website in case you went to it. I, I spent a lot of time getting it the I way out. I did go to it. It is very snappy. It's yes, pretty snappy. I like it. it. It's, yeah. it's not bad. And, and so I encourage that. But, you know, with, with an artist, you really got to care. There's no Hippocratic Oath. And if you don't love the artist, I'm talking to other producers. If you don't, in other words, don't do it because you can make a few shekels. Don't do it for money. If you don't love the artist and see what they're trying to do and really feel them, you know, really love them and love what they're doing, don't touch it. Move on. Find somebody that will. And unfortunately, a lot of people are, are desperate, so they, they need to make a few bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you in the studio. No, 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 no. You want someone who is a, almost a fan. You want that producer to be a fan, to love what that artist does, you know? I know exactly, yeah. I happen to be uh, an audio engineer, so I spent a lot of time behind the desk with producers. And I've uh, learned a lot about exactly that process, because... To a certain extent, I'm thinking in mathematics while the producer's thinking in art. And I really learned to get that mix of the two together. Do you have engineering chops yourself? Do you spend any time I, at the I, I started at engineering, but here's the problem. Um, all of a sudden, you're watching, you're, you're thinking about headroom, right? Mm. You're yeah. thinking about clipping. You're, thinking, you're watching LED lights and overloading. You're, you're worried about all kinds of things but the music. You're capturing it in the prayer that you haven't clipped something or missed something or reassigned something to the wrong or imported something wrong. In other words, I don't touch the board anymore. I don't want to. I want to, I want to be in the moment. And, and out of respect to the engineer, I don't, I don't, I don't put my hands on the board. I'll say, I want more of this and I want this to move and that, but I let him do what he does and I can focus and have I got the performance because with me, it's the performance. And you know, this as an engineer uh, and it's the same thing that happened to me back in the day. People would come in and say, man, this producer, he doesn't get me. He doesn't. That's how I got into this. My first band I ever produced was Greg Allman. And I mean, who, who does that? You know, your first act that you ever produce. Right. And by the way, and by the way, I borrowed a hundred grand to go record him and, and make the deal for him. I put, I, I put my money where my mouth is. I didn't have the hundred grand, but I borrowed the money because Cher had thrown him out of the house and he, he needed to be cleaned up. He was, uh, he had some recreational pharmaceutical issues and uh, he needed to be cleaned up. I had to fire his band. I mean, it was ugly. But the bottom line is, I spent a hundred grand I didn't have because I believed in him. And mm -hmm. it, that doesn't mean you spend a hundred grand on on every act that you meet. But you have to be prepared to say this person's got that spark. They've they're they're they got they're great, you know. 
Right, right. I mean, I put a lot of money into this project, including with the radio station. I mean, let's talk about the music started at what, maybe $40 a month. And now I'm spending like almost a thousand a month trying to keep everything together. So I understand completely what you guys are talking. I mean, it was not so much, but I get it. Did you, did you follow what I'm saying though, that a plumber will invest 10 times yep. what a guitar yep. player will. And he'll, oh, he'll yeah. get up the flyers and he'll get a sign on his truck and, and he'll spend 40, 50, 60 grand telling everyone he's a plumber where a guitar player who's somewhat self-indulgent uh, will, will say, well, I got my guitar, I got my amp. Where's the fat guy with my contract? Right. You know? Plus one other thing, which is, I don't know about King County, but in LA, I see this all the time. Someone's in four bands. Big mistake. That too. Huge. Well, we have a lot of band slits. We have a lot of band slits. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they're no good because they, they exponentially, they're lowering their chances. They think they're, they're increasing them, but in fact, they're not. Not in my view. Better to take a group of people that really have a, a vision and are good people and are putting their shoulder to the wheel and working like the devil to make it happen. Right. As opposed to, you know, well, Monday I'm playing with these guys and Tuesday and, and Tuesday I'm playing with somebody else, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it, it would be wonderful to be able to like, as a band leader, you know, inspire that kind of loyalty but it, it uh in my life it hasn't worked out that way i mean but, i have loyalty but not like something where i know i've got the full group together and we're gonna make it all the way from starting rehearsals to you know getting past whatever it was we stopped at the last time things fell apart so I mean, it's one of those things where I wish I could be like, no, you could only be in my band, but that hasn't been the way to keep. That hasn't been the way. You to don't keep. want them. Let me put it this way, Gazelle. If you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you moved in together and they said, oh, I really, really love you, but I'm only going to be here Monday nights in bed with you. And Tuesday, I'm going to go sleep over here. And Wednesday, but I love you. And, it, you know, you're, you're going to go, no, that doesn't work for me. And I, I, it's no different. And I, I just, it's so frustrating when you go out and see a band and you're talking to the guitar player and you go, man, I, I love what you're doing. He says, man, you should see what I'm really doing. Here's, here's my other band. Here's the card I'm playing so-and-so. Thursday night, come down and see me. I, I want to throw his card away. Because this mm. is someone that uh, this is someone that that is working the angles and then wonders why it doesn't. Do you think for a second that the Stones played in different bands with other people? No, Beatles. No, once they were in no, a band, they were they were solid and they stuck with even when they hated each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I rest my case and. Uh, and I, I, I know it's difficult, but I would rather have a lesser player who, uh, you know, as far as uh, proficiency, whose heart 
and soul and, and emotion was in it, passion was in your project gazelle, than someone who could play their ass off like they and then showed up like they were doing you a favor. See what I mean? Oh yeah, I one hundred percent would love I would love that. I would I would love it if they the passion they start out with lasted, you know, a decade. That would be awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> I guess it's partly easier when you're making Rolling Stones money to be like, well, the guy did punch me, but have you seen the paychecks? <laughs> point well taken. But point well taken. But they start, everyone started somewhere, you know, and, well, and uh, equally they, your they, point they, taken. I don't think we're disagreeing that much, but no, I think there no, is I, nuance <laughs> to the situation that does change over the career. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just love people that are committed and are passionate. Whether they're producers or artists, passion is their fire in the belly. And then uh, if you sit down with any major artist, I'm, I'm talking people people that have had careers. Mm -hmm. You know, people like Tom Jones, God forbid. I mean, you know, he's 81. But first right. time I met Tom in the studio, you know what he said to me? Where would you like me to stand? In other words, he didn't come in with an entourage. He didn't come in with, a, you know, I'm this, I'm that. He said, where's the best place for me to sing? Where do you want me to stand? So you, right. want, you want people that are smart, really mm -hmm. smart. People that, that make it in this business and stay there are smart. Gaga is smart. Elton is smart. You know, Dave Grohl is smart. You know? Yeah. And all of them that you mentioned seem like lovely people. Yes. You, you know, you're exactly you right. You are you're exactly right. Uh, I cut a song called Lady with Kenny Rogers. It was Lionel Richie's uh, first production. He never produced a white act before. And he was shit in his pants. Uh, you know, uh, and... Kenny was the first guy at the studio and hmm. was so sweet. And that's how he got so big. He was nice and nice to be yeah. around and promoters would, would meet him. And, and uh, Lady Gaga is nice. She is a lovely, lovely. She gave me a watch in Hong Kong. She was doing a fashion show and, and saw me and remembered I got her backstage when I worked back in the day with the Plasmatics and with uh, Karen Black and Nina Hagen. And she, uh, she mm. said, oh, this is for you. Nice, nice. That's how they get there. No attitude. Yeah. You I know, mean, they'll eat your face yeah. off if you put them in the corner. But Right. right. Speaking of Lady Gaga, I got to see her open for the New Kids on the Block back in 2006. Six, I think, and I had no clue who she was, but she was phenomenal. Yeah, she was amazing. And then when but, she blew up, like, oh yeah, I saw her open up before she got big, so I saw her. That she's she's awesome. But she knew who she was, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And let, let me throw one quick thing at you that I think I really believe it, and that's patterns. For example, uh, Lady Gaga is just Madonna. It's the same right. thing. Uh, the band that I produced uh, in Vogue, 
uh, they decided to have one and wanted to have a baby. And the, the discussion was, you know, why don't you put it off? Stay, stay the course. No, no, I got to have this baby. Well, they had a baby, but guess who came up? Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Nature right. abhors the vacuum. Uh, I know this is a stretch, but if you look at someone like Liberace, uh, Elton John didn't get the traction until he started wearing sequin duck suits or mm -hmm. dressed up, you know, uh, in his, uh, you know, his finery. Um, so the thing is, if, if an artist can go, well, okay, it's time for a new, say, Stevie Ray Vaughan, or it's time for a new this, that, or the next thing, uh, nature pours a vacuum in. There's a space. If you can, if you can figure out, you know, what the next, what the next thing is, uh, you're, you, you, you're, uh, you're going to the pay window, you know? Yeah. Is there such thing as the next thing now that the internet is making everything happen all at once though? Is there, a, is there a space for still a, an all at once movement of one thing that lasts longer than a couple of weeks? Gee, I hope so. I don't Me have too. an answer that. I hope so because Thanks. it would, it would help the industry, wouldn't it? So well, this things is certainly seem very balkanized at the moment, don't they? Yeah. So funny side things. First of all, I share a birthday with Lady Gaga. I'm just um, Yay. A, a decade or so older. And um, the other thing is, I don't know, I might have an extended family on here on our chat. And you're Frankie, Italian too, right? Frankie Ray. Um, Sicilian. Half yeah. Sicilian. Oh, were you? I thought you were American. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So you're sorry, European. So I'm like, oh, you're from Italy. Jeez, that's cool. What part I'm of Italy? Sicilian. My dad is Sicilian. Oh, neat. Yeah. So, I wonder if uh, sundown with Frankie, Frankie Ray, Ray. Uh, because he wrote it, it in all so caps. It I must mean, it's, be it's entirely possible that uh, that's entirely possible. It'd be on my dad's side. So, but but sundown with Frankie Ray seems not to like. Tim, seems not to like Tim, but now thinks Tim is sexy. So I don't know. I'm getting mixed I, I, messages. I think, I think mixed messages. Yeah, yeah. Frankie, you are a confusing, confusing man, but we love you. Thank you for being in the chat. Frankie's amazing. Frankie, Frankie is uh, is wonderful. By the way, Frankie, let's go have pie at Republican Pie next next chance we get. Frankie is. Frankie is um, a, a true character, and I love him. He dares to be himself. You know, you know where you stand with him. Yep. Very I can good. tell you what I expect, Frankie. I expect pie. Please bring me some. I'm in London. I, I expect <laughs> that will be pretty easy for you to do, <laughs> Mr. Sundown with Frankie Ray. <laughs> for you can do all things. Okay, I gotta take our last break for KGRG and for our radio station LTA team. So it'll be like two seconds, maybe not even that. So give me a second here, guys. All right, so we want to make sure you guys watch us on YouTube and Twitter every Friday. Today, we're only doing Wednesday today, only because uh, Gazelle and I are going to Vegas on Friday. So we'll be back on your Friday schedule. And we got we already got shows booked up for that one. So join us on YouTube and Twitter um, every Fridays from 1 p.m. Pacific. 
Uh, more details, go to our website, let's talk about the music.com. We also want to thank our sponsors, Papa Satch, Ken Keller, and uh, Ramshaw Records for donating while I was taking a break going to school at KGRG in Green River. So, if you guys want to donate, keep us going. There is a donate tab on our website. Go to again, let's talk about the music.com. And thanks for watching and listening. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right, I'm done. We'll go back to the show. All right. <laughs> so a question we like to ask all of our guests here is what has been on your headphones this week? What have you been listening to for pleasure recently? Um, for pleasure, uh, Alabama Shakes for pleasure and Joe Bonamassa uh, for pleasure. Um, but I've been working, I've, I'm doing a, a new record with uh, Redbone which I may have mentioned uh, the, uh, yeah. Prehist the prehistoric dog is the biggest tune. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing next. Cause man, I'm into them. They were a trip. God bless their, their hearts. I'm redoing come get your love. And I've oh, got yeah. a rap shirt and I've got Pat Vegas coming down to do a rap uh, with uh, Annika Bellamy the uh, T-Bone that wrote the song was her uncle. And so I'm doing, uh, we're, we're going back to the scene of the crime and seeing I cut the song way, way back in 74. I'm going to redo it. And I've already done it uh, actually with some, some of my friends up in Seattle. If you know Ben Smith, uh, the drummer extraordinaire and Lyle Rongrelin and, uh, and Jake Hell, uh, Tristram. I don't know if you know these people and, and Lynn Sorensen, uh, just I'm great, 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 great musicians in Seattle. The the I'm best. In yeah. So that's yeah. really, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I can't multitask. So I'm really focused on this one song. What have you been listening to? Oh, I've been listening to Sarah, the instrumentalist. It's a thing I found by browsing Spotify randomly. I've been in a real chill hot place for a while. It is a, okay. there's a tone to it. That's super weird and intonalist just by virtue of the way they process stuff. So stuff right. ends up by accidentally in half keys. It's uh, it, it has a real particular feel to it. And I have needed chill out things for like <laughs> all year for reasons that we all know. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah okay. the Instrumentalist is a very... I'm enjoying her stuff a lot. You know what I heard today was Gagush, the Persian singer. And uh, that was a trip today. Because they get to hit notes that, you know, only are found in India, as I said before. Right. It's always nice when something's polytonal or it's it, it defies the regular, uh, the regular form, you know? Have you ever been exposed to Bulgarian folk singing? Oh, uh, not willfully. It <laughs> is. You might dig it if you're digging the the interesting uh, polyphony stuff going on, uh, because they do a lot of a mix of Eastern and Western just by virtue of their history and all of the rest. But also, they choose harmonies in a very strange way if you're used to Western harmony. So, as a matter of fact, I heard, I heard, uh, I heard what you're talking about. There was a Bulgarian, 
a group of men singing at a table on a video I saw recently that was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, very hairy, her suit guys, very, you know, uh, uh, hairy guys, but they sang beautifully. And yes, I, I enjoyed it. It was really quite moving, very moving, actually. Something about it, vocal harmonies anyway, but when they're yeah. done well, ooh. Yeah, I know. Are you a fan of pentatonics? Of, excuse me? Are you a fan of pentatonics, the band? Yes, but I find they're a little heavy on the production. I can sort of, he I can hear the presence of autotune, at least in their uh, earlier stuff, which is eh, maybe a generational thing. I don't mind it now as much, but it sounds quite produced where I'm like, I don't know, you could just, they're selling more than I do. Who, what do I know? But I don't know. Not my personal taste. Interesting. Great singers. I, Great I agree. I, wait, Great. are you telling me they're not auto-tuned? Because if so, that is preposterous. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I wouldn't know. Uh, but they are great singers. I I, I don't care about auto-tune. Uh, yeah. Yes, me neither in the main. It's just in this one, it felt distracting. That's really what I mean. Okay. 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 We have a question in the chat room uh, uh, from Frankie. Uh, Timothy, it, it, it used to be the music was most important to not look at the artists. We must have a show. What phrase rate, what phrase rate you to do to run or to run into a artist at our musical incline not young I cannot I cannot what, what frustrations do you run into Shoot. when artists are musically inclined not you. young thank you and they're not young I guess that's what he said in the chat okay. um he added he's been listening to a lot of James Taylor lately I don't know whether those are related uh, okay I, I don't believe so um when they're not young, correct? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, well, first of all, the the way I square that circle is as follows. First of all, I'm 72. Jesus Christ. Um, that's old. And that's old to still be making music. And how do I get up in the morning? And how do I work with artists that are older? Or how do, how do I go, should I be doing this? You know, is this is this just for young people? No, it isn't. But here's here's the the, the point I'm making. Um, a house in Los Angeles that's now a million dollars was fourteen thousand dollars fifty years ago. A um, a T bird, fifty seven T bird was twenty three hundred dollars. Now they're a hundred grand if you can find one. Uh, gas is now $5 a gallon. It used to be 19 cents a gallon. My point being, everything's got value. Why should a musician or a producer or, or an arranger or an artist be worth less as time goes on? I fight that ageism partly because I have no choice because I am older. But Truth be told, why must why must you not be hip? Why must you be um, uh, not relevant? Uh, and on top of it, uh, if if you're dealing with older people, uh, quite often their demographics that would buy their records have disposable income. 
So they're more likely to support the act. So my thing is love yourself and 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 don't let your age slow you down. For example, Frank Lloyd Wright got his first contract to build an uh, to uh, architectural design a dwelling at 64 years of age. His first one, first paid gig, and and Grandma Moses sold her first painting at 82. So why should someone uh, you know go? Oh, I'm 40. I'm 50. Uh, I'm not. I'm not viable. Now, you know, certain things you, you do have to adjust for, but everything's gone up in value. Why shouldn't a human being? Okay, we have another question from Frankie Ray. Last question. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. like all up in, in this conversation. So, Timothy, if you could go back and reproduce any song now, what would it be in hindsight? Any I mean, song? Would you, I guess just, would you actually reproduce any of them is the first question there, I suppose. And if so, which one? Oh, of, of stuff that I've done? Of yes. stuff that you've produced of personally, stuff. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't touch any of it. And here's why. It's a, If you look at, uh, say, The Stones, they do an album and then they put it in the box and they go, that's how we were then. Now we've got a new project. This is how we are now. If you keep going back, that's why there are windows and ovens. And if you're constantly pulling the door, the, the door down, the, the souffle keeps falling down. The key is do your the very best you can with what you've got and leave it alone and say that's what we, that's where we were at then. But to go back, um, it's it's there's there's no point. I ran in a Scorsese at a party, and he said to me, I said to him, how do you know when you're finished? And he said, when you're proud of it. So if you're proud of it, be proud of it and move on and do something fresh. But to go back and open the oven door and pick at it and try to make it, you know, it, it, how do you, you know this as a sound engineer. It, oh, the, yeah. You, you know, uh, it, you can only do what, what's there. I mean, you know this. You've been asked to mix something that's unmixable, I'm sure. That uh, it just, yes, that has been I have yeah, subtly replaced guitar parts with my own guitar part and said, listen how great it sounds now. And the band loved it. So, ooh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but, my first but loyalty the is to the record I'm making. But uh, I, I would be saying... Even better than that is, uh, I w I will sit there and fiddle with a snare forever if you let me. It will never be right. It will never be perfect. It will be as good as I can get it in the time I got in the studio to do it today, and then it's got to go. So, studio time is expensive. You got to yeah. do it. It's expensive. And look at what the Who did. What the Who oh, did my. just. What's that? The oh my the Who. <laughs> Well, the Who, um, uh, what the Who would do was they would do one song and mix it the same night. And the, one of the reasons the Who record sounded so great and so big and, and dramatic is that they mixed it down immediately because they had hit it with so much headroom that the oxide was falling off the tape and the tape was imprinting into itself. And, and so the key is 
do one song, mix it, be done with it, and move on. Yeah, and especially if, it's if you're working with tape, tape is expensive. Yes, tape is a pain in the ass. And uh, I, 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 I went kicking and screaming, but I, I love Pro Tools now. I, uh, the thought of working it is with so tape, good. It's. I, I don't even know anyone that uses. I mean, everybody I know has at least gone analog, but the, yeah, they're not like it's all being mixed into a. Oh, well, like analog desks like use the preamps. Yeah, totally. Every time. But like, tape, I don't know. I don't know anybody that does tape. Well, there's, they're, they're out there and they, they like to think that it's um, a good thing, but it's not. It's a terrible medium. It's just a terrible medium. It sounds nice when it saturates. So like I have a little cassette tape player that I use, that I use as like a bad bus compressor for an effect. Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's the use of tape now. Yeah, exactly. Use digital. You've got functionally infinite headroom if you want it. And and there's some great plugins now that emulate uh, all the organic or much of the organic feel. Uh, you know, granted, tape tape was really great for guitars and overloading and 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 distortion and and, and like, but uh, you know, I, fortunately, it's gone. Fortunately, I've described it as it sounds really bad in really pleasing ways. <laughs> I like okay. that. I like that. I like that. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are digital right now. It's just. Yeah. You can do I so don't much with digital. I people that are doing anything but digital. You well, can. I mean, as you say, you could. Sorry, go ahead. And I, you know, you had mentioned, I, I detected a, a, an element of disdain with regard to the Melodyne. No, no, no. I love Melodyne. Let's be clear. I have retuned pianos after the fact with Melodyne. It is a gorgeous thing. I find when you overuse the effect, it's either brilliant and intentional, and it is an instrument akin to a vocoder or a synthesizer, and I love that. Or it is trying to hide the crimes, and if you try to hide the crimes and it does a bad job, or the person who tuned it was a little heavy handed. I, I think the signature can come across as a little odd, sort of uncanny oh. almost to me. Uh, oh. So as much, so to me, I'm like, oh man, I wish, I wish polyphonic had just turned down the dial by like two notches, but that's also engineer me going like, man, if everybody gave me control all the time, then everything would sound exactly the way I like it. Sure. Which is, which is an unhealthy attitude. I'm perfectly aware, but it's well, at the back I- of my head. As my grandpa used to say, if everybody liked the same thing, they'd all be screwing your grandmother. Well, we don't want that. That's no, we don't no. want that at all. <laughs> oh, the, like 20 different jokes went through my head just now, and Poor they're grandma. all inappropriate. Oh, no. Don't, 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 don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I was halfway to like, can I do a clean joke about, uh, I don't know, grandmothers, grandmothers, pie? No, 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 no. All righty. So we have five more minutes before the show ends for this episode. So one last call for comments and questions and all that jazz. I mean, I mean, Tim, this is your last, this is your five minutes. So what can you tell people like just something at the top of your head? What kind of advice can you give young artists on top of your head? Love themselves, know who they are, 
Don't be overcritical. You know, love themselves. Don't be overcritical. Love, love what they do. Don't worry about being the best musician. Worry about, not worry, but focus on being the most passionate. Uh, if you think about um, so many artists that, that really aren't very good, but are wonderful. They're not great players, but they're wonderful. You know, that's important. So I want people to, to love what they're doing and not, not you know, throw their hands up in the air and say, gee, I'm never going to play like Eddie Van Halen. No, you're not. But if you look at Bo Diddley, he sucked. But he was Bo Diddley. You listen to Pop Staples, he played, he played little bits of funk. And that was it. But he was wonderful. And you go down the list, there were all kinds of guitar players and musicians that weren't great, but were wonderful. And so I want, I, w I would love artists to, in, you know, really love who they are, and 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 not um, not be so eager to put down other people. Uh, you know, when you, you go to a concert and people have the Polish brassiere, do you know what that is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know when the yeah. guitar player standing with his arms crossed in front of the guitar player on stage, the Polish brassiere. Yeah. yeah, you know, or he's doing a hatchet job. I don't think he encourage him, help him, be be a pal, be a bud. Um, so you know that's that's what I want. And do it if you have a ten song, have a show. Don't have a set. Have a show. Instead of having 10 songs, make it seven. Make the people want you to come back. Don't stay too long at the party, you know? That's right. really important. And and dare to be who you are. Stevie Ray Vaughan had that wonderful big hat with the coonskin tail hanging from it. He, he wanted to be that character, you know? Uh, don't be afraid to be yourself. Or, or or have a signature. Look at Dr. John. You know, he got his idea from Doc Pomus and he embraced, uh, you know, Louisiana. Go for it. Have fun with this. You know, don't overthink it. When you see a child singing who's like seven years old and they're singing, they're not thinking, Jesus, this dress make me fat. They're singing from their heart. They're having fun with it. So should the artist. And the minute you start thinking and you stop feeling, you're in business, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. All righty. All right. So I am going to share our next guest for our next Friday. We'll be at our Friday schedule on June 18th. My boss and GM, Tom Crosby, is going to talk about KGRG FM. So I'm excited to talk about them and about KGRG and the program at Green River and all that jazz. So stick with us. Hope you guys come and join us next Friday, our normal schedule program. And um, I have a, I do have an op I do have a closing for the first time ever. So, so everyone say goodbye. Bye. It was nice Bye. talking to you. Thank you, everybody. Take good care. Yes, and 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 Tim, you can come back anytime you want to. Just let me know. You're welcome. You are so sweet. Thank you, Shelley. Bye You're for welcome. now, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye.
Hey, stick All around. Right. Stick around, Tim. We'll talk to you after after the show.